giving the drug twice in three hours and then in 12 hours, although technically what the label says is not going to give the desired pharmaceutical effect. I was working on an upcoming podcast on drug resistance this morning when I received a post from another site discussing drug compliance and I thought, wait, am I putting the cart in front of the horse here? Maybe the best place to start is drug compliance and medication in general. So I have taken a bit of a swerve and here we go. No interview, just me and my thoughts. You are listening to The Vet Podcast, presented by veterinarian Dr. Brian Greger from New Zealand. Join us as we discuss pet health issues from around the world. Drug compliance is sort of what your mum used to say. Have you taken your medicine yet? As vets, we get cases that don't respond as we would have expected. This is usually due to a couple of things. Either we got the diagnosis wrong, or more commonly, poor compliance. This is when you used to spit the bitter pill out under your pillow. You'll be surprised how often, when dispensing a medication, the owner will say, I've still got some of those pills at home, can I use them? To me, this means one of two things. Firstly, the animal died and they didn't need the full course, but the animal is in front of me, so that's obviously not the case. Or more likely, the course of medication was not given correctly. So how bad are we? In humans, the average rate of adherence is around 50%. Are we any better with our pets? Sorry, no. In a study looking at dogs given antibiotics, 60% of people got the dose wrong, mostly underdosing. And those people knew they were part of a study. I was talking to a drug rep a few years ago. They did a study where people had to give medication twice daily by pill to their dog. Only 10% gave every pill at the right time over the five days of the trial. And again, they knew that they were actually in a study. So what? What is the effects of poor drug compliance? The first and the most obvious effect is the animal not coming right. This follows on to several things, the worst of which is death. Medication may be changed, which adds more expense and possibly not the number one choice for the condition. The vet may second guess themselves and pursue further diagnostics, again more expense. Antibiotic resistance is a real possibility if using antibiotics. We'll discuss this in a lot more depth in a future podcast. Withdrawal signs if the dose is too low and toxicity if the dose is too high. So what factors then are going to affect compliance? The owner must understand what needs to be given. Multi-drug treatments can cause real confusion. Cost can impact on how the drug is given. If we are looking at an expensive drug, which unfortunately some are, it is tempting to decrease the dose or the frequency given to try and keep the price down. Difficult treatment frequencies can be a real issue. I know myself, I was on a course of drugs that had to be given four hourly. So what, I get up at two and six in the morning? I don't think so. On the same vein, if the label says three times daily, that is what it means. These should be evenly spaced. Giving the drug twice in three hours and then in 12 hours, although technically what the label says is not going to give the desired pharmaceutical effect. 
The ability to administer the drug is a big one. Can you give eye drops? Is your dog an idiot and won't let you near its ears with the eardrops? Can you give pills? Complexity. You may get instructions like give two drops of this drop into the eye followed by one drop of this drop five minutes later and repeat the whole process every six hours. This sounds like some complicated drinking game or an intelligence test. There are sometimes potential conflicts or interactions between drugs making for interesting instructions. One that comes to mind are antacids which can block the absorption of other drugs so they are often given two hours apart. Then there's the good old give on an empty stomach. That's all very fine if you don't have to give your dog a big hunk of meat with the pill inside just to get the medication into the dog. As vets, how can we improve owner drug compliance? This may sound simple, but if we decide to treat our patients in tablet form, surely it makes sense to make sure that the owner can give a tablet. If not, either teach them how or find another way to medicate the animal. Drug companies have got around this pill thing a couple of ways. Firstly, by making the medication very palatable. Secondly, by increasing the duration of effect. The drug that comes to mind is an anti-arthritis treatment for dogs that has been available for several years. One treatment lasts up to four weeks. Obviously, there is a bit of a compromise with medication like this with regard to the side effects. If the dog reacts with normal regular medication, obviously, you just stop. With long-acting medication, we need to manage the side effects. Also, if there is a decision to change their medication, it can cause a few issues. Long-acting injections are becoming more common now for a number of medications. Again, some of the issues with long-acting tablets are applicable here. As I see it, there are three main factors affecting the successful treatment of a sick animal. Firstly, the correct diagnosis. Secondly, appropriate treatment. And finally, compliance which ultimately is out of the vet's hands. So, how do we, as vets, improve compliance? We must make sure that the medication is properly explained. This starts verbally at the time of dispensing. Vets can use a number of tools here, handouts explaining the drug, and what I find really handy is a checklist that says what is given and when, including a checkbox to make sure it is given. The instructions should also be on the medication. It is obvious that the owner must be able to give the medication. Ask your vet to teach you if you don't know. We will not think anything less of you. Remember that we spend our working days medicating animals. You would expect us to be good at it, but it is not something that you are expected to do very often. If you don't think that you are capable of giving the medication, even after instruction, say so. There can always be a plan B. And remember that seven days of medication means seven days of medication. Don't stop because the animal appears better. Let's just finish off here with what you do when you get home with the medication. How do you store them? Without labouring the point, if it says store in the refrigerator, store them in the refrigerator. Now, many drugs don't like heat, cold, humidity, sunlight or large temperature changes. Stop and think for a moment where you usually store your medication. In the hot, cold, bright kitchen. Not ideal, eh? Probably the best place is in a cupboard in the hallway. Although tempting, unless the label says refrigerate, this is not the best place to store most medications. We mentioned it before, but often when treating particularly ear and eye conditions, the owner will remind us that they had some older eardrops or eye drops left at home. 
To be fair, this isn't always because they didn't finish the course of treatment previously. Often there are some left after the treatment period has finished. But should it be used? A few things to consider here. Firstly, there is a big assumption here that the condition is the same as the last time. Now, check the expiry date. If it's expired, definitely no. Often, especially with airdrops, there is a good possibility the drops have become contaminated and exposure to many medications to air will greatly decrease the efficacy. In a nutshell then, the answer is no, don't use your old medication. To use a good old Kiwi saying, get the gorse out of your pockets and buy a new one. Let's wind it up here by finally discussing disposal of unused medication. For various reasons, you may get left with some medication. The old thought used to be to flush it down the toilet. This is now greatly frowned upon as the medication is not necessarily degraded by the sewage treatment system and potentially the medication will be passing into the environment after treatment. Most vets are more than happy to dispose of the medication for you. Here in New Zealand, and I assume in a number of places around the world, there are commercial companies that use industrial incinerators and harmlessly dispose of these drugs. Find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Just search at Vet Podcast and like us while you are there. Subscribe to us on your usual podcast player and if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us on your player and share us with your friends. Our website is vetpodcast.weebly.com Weebly is W-E-E-B-L-Y or email vetpodcast at gmail.com